When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Edgework Podcast. This is episode number five. Also, guys, known as the Trade Related Reasons Podcast, because that's the kind of realm <laughs> that we're that we're in right now. Um, we obviously got a lot to talk about leading up to this trade deadline. Zach Bodenstein with the fourth period, guys. Dave Penyota, Dennis Bernstein. So. Guys, lots to talk about. Of course, a lot of more players sitting out for trade-related reasons. We saw Luke Shen yesterday. We'll touch on him. Of course, though, based on last night, DB, we have to start with the Ryan O'Reilly Nola Chari trade because we've seen three games from them so far in the blue and white coming off the hat trick in his old building, Ryan O'Reilly. Do you think this kind of shifts the line a little bit for the Leafs in terms of a first-round victory, perhaps? Is this what pushes them over the top, or does more still have to be done for the Leafs to, to move on? No, they can't. Look, they come close in the first round. They just never find ways to win. And Ryder Riley is a guy who's won. It's as simple as that. But yeah, they're doing it for the first round and beyond, I guess. But look, you could talk about seedings, the 2-3, and let's go to 1-8. If it was 1-8, you know who would be the 4-5? Toronto and Tampa. So they're doing it specifically to match up for a team that has Braden Point and Kucherov and Stamkos and Sorelli. Right. That, that's what they're matching up for. And Ron O'Reilly's the type of guy they've needed, without question. And he came through in a big way last night. Can't expect that in the, in the postseason. But it gives it rivals other teams with respect to if they want to play him, go three deep in the middle, or they want to put him on the wing. This was a necessary move day for Dubas and Shanahan. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it gives them options. And it gives them – I mean, it's it, everybody's been focusing on – Ryan O'Reilly and, and yeah, the hat trick last night helped, but Nolachari is yeah. a guy that really benefits a bottom six contender. And he's he's been there before. He's he's got the playoff experience and, and he's a gamer. So this this was not just a good move to bring in Ryan O'Reilly. This was a good move to bring in both Ryan O'Reilly sure. and uh Nolachari. And 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 I think right now they're going to look, Toronto's going to look to see what else they could potentially do and see if closer to the deadline or on deadline day at that 11th hour, if prices drop on certain guys and they have an opportunity to pounce on somebody that they can afford under their cap, then I, I think that might be the next thing that they try to do. And kudos, Zach, for the, I was going to say kudos to the creativity to bring him in at 1-8. Like actually right. a three-team trading NHL, like shocking. You see it every day in the NBA. You, know, you don't see it here much, but the creativity by three GMs to get this guy there for that price, that's impressive as well. It's exactly what I was going to say. It does give them the flexibility because they're only paying the 1.85 for O'Reilly. Yeah. Achari doesn't come in too expensive either. Both very valuable pieces for that team that needed depth. So like Dave said, what's the next move? Do they move out some bigger contracts to to give them some more flexibility? I mean, now they're they're kind of low on draft picks, but... How do they make that happen, Dave? Well, I, I just I, I want to point out one other thing. It wasn't just Minnesota that was in the mix. They talked to a few teams about potentially being a broker to make something happen, and there are other teams that are willing to do that. Uh, you have Anaheim and Arizona, obviously, is the usual suspects because they've got so much cap space. But look for Vancouver. Vancouver's a team now that's 
put players on their LTIR. They're sitting at about 7.6, in and around 7.6 million in cap space because of LTIR space that they want to utilize to see if they can generate some draft picks and kind of fill their cupboard up a little bit. So for other moves that are looking to that to, to, to have a third team in the mix, don't be shocked if Vancouver is that third team as a conduit to help out um, some of the some of the playoff contenders. And maybe Toronto goes back to one of those teams or to Vancouver and says, hey, we need somebody to eat up half a million bucks here, at least in cap space, because the actual dollars aren't much. It's only 75,000 bucks is what Minnesota's paying in actual hard cash. Uh, so we could see a team like Vancouver that has that, you know, you got somebody on a low number. Um, Dollar-wise, it's going to be even less. Don't be surprised if you see something like that happen, and don't be shocked if it's Toronto again. And just imagine how much cap space Vancouver would have if they didn't have all those bad contracts, Dave. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? They may have even more depending on the extent of the injury to OEL, uh, who's now out of the lineup on IR, if they realize that he's going to be done for the season, that frees up another, sure. what is it, five, six million for them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they certainly could utilize that. We remember a couple of years ago, San Jose got in on like three different deals where they were no. simply just a broker. They got like three fourth round picks by retaining 25% of salary on some players. I know Nick Felino was one of them. So there are those opportunities now and it's a luxury because, you know, obviously can't retain more than 50% from one team. So Toronto benefits from that. They get O'Reilly cheap. Can that open up something else? Um, now the St. Louis blues, of course, they were the team that traded away O'Reilly and Ochari. They also traded away Tarasenko and Mikola. Seems like they have more moves to make, but Dave, yeah. could they be buying too? Because there have been reports that they're in on Timo Meyer. This is a guy in his prime that is controllable because he's an RFA. Is that a possibility for them? Well, they have the assets now to do it. I mean, adding two additional first-round picks kind of puts them in the ballpark of what the overall package will be for, for Timo Meyer. They've also checked in on Jacob Chikrin. They've checked in on a few other players that have term on their deals um, to, to kind of augment their roster. They don't want to rebuild, and they don't want to necessarily retool. They want to reshape and be back in playoff contention next season, which is why Doug Armstrong is trying to figure out ways to kind of put all the pieces together. And that's why we're hearing Chikrin and why we're hearing uh, Timo Meyer as well. And, and we're likely to hear a few other players come out of the woodwork as well. I, I mean, I've been hearing Josh Anderson as a possibility out of Montreal. So, I mean, you have some, some players and they want to kind of keep it in the mid-20s range. Um, but you're going to hear St. Louis probably in the next nine days uh, poking around on, on some of the other guys that are that are out there and available. So, you know, I look at St. Louis, and I'm not going to count them out. They're going to trade Ivan Barbashev, so they're going to get more assets for, for that, probably a second-round pick plus. I don't think it'll go to a first-round pick. I think they're hoping it will. Um, but this is probably a deal that happens closer to the deadline as they try to up that uh, up that marketplace. And then, look, they're, they're taking calls on Colton Pareko and Tori Krug, which is something we talked about last week. And, and I know Dennis and I originally reported that uh, teams were calling about Pareko two weeks ago. So there's a lot of interest in St. Louis in terms of what they could do. And does moving out a guy like Pareko give them a younger defenseman and free up enough cap space to make other moves in other areas? That's kind of what they're looking at right now for St. Louis. Yeah, I was going to say, Zach, uh, you know, there's too many good team uh, players on that team to be a rebuild. Like you've got Cairo, you've got yeah. Thomas on long term. 
if you don't, you've got Krug and, and J- Justin Falk, and if you don't trade Parenko, uh, you've got Pavel Buchnevich, who's, who's been injured a bit, but there's too many good teams. Like, this is not Arizona or Chicago. There's so many good players on that team committed to term that they, they should, with they, like Dave says, with some tweaking, with some reshaping of the roster, they can get in. And you still have Bennington, who I assume will take the summer off, think, okay, the act's got to stop, and maybe I should stop no pucks next season. But it's been a really bad season for this team, but there's no reason why they can't be back. And, and they're not that far from playoff contention anyway because the West isn't really that strong. So I agree. The right moves by Army, he can get this team, maybe not to a championship level very quickly, but certainly to a team that can make noise in the Central next season. Yep. Something to watch with Tory Krug, too. Left the game yesterday, did not return. So will that play a factor? We will see. Um, speaking of left-handed defensemen, uh, Dave, go ahead. No, I was just going to reiterate that he's uh, – the difference between the two, obviously, lefty Tory Krug, more offensive – uh, more defensive-minded and righty in Pareko. So depending on what you're looking for, that's what you got with those two guys. Definitely. Both guys have that pedigree as well. They've been there, proven, yeah. um, and also bigger cap hits. So that will obviously take some gymnastics to make that work. Um, I was going to say, speaking of left-handed D, we're talking about Gavrikov. We've been talking about him for a couple of weeks now. Dave, it seems like something seemingly close with one particular team. There's some sort of holdup. So why don't yeah. you clear that up for us? Yeah, the, the framework of a deal is in place between Columbus and Boston to get Gavrikov over to the Bruins. Um, I don't know what the package is. I've heard that it's in and around a first and a third round pick. I don't know what Boston is giving up in this deal, um, but they need to clear out money in a separate move, um, which means, A, Columbus isn't taking back anything significant from a cap perspective. Um uh, and, and B, they got to find a third team. So whether it's a third-party team like we talked about earlier, in Anaheim, a Vancouver, whomever, or a team that could benefit from a, a Craig Smith in their bottom six as a, a per, perhaps a third-line center, there are teams that are looking, contending teams, playoff teams that are looking to do that. If they could perhaps shift him out west um, uh, in, in that environment, I, I think that's something that the Bruins are trying to do. There's some talk of Mike Riley perhaps as well, but it sounds like Craig Smith's name is most prominent right now as they try to free up cap space. So, I mean, it's up to Don Sweeney at this point to make something happen, the GM of the Bruins. Columbus has made it clear they're not going to wait forever. So if a team swoops in with a better offer, they're going to go back to Boston and say, are, are we doing this today? If not, He's going to wherever. And we know that Edmonton's checked in. Price is too high. We know L.A. checked in. Price is a little bit too high. Um, and, and a few other teams as well. Calgary checked in. Not going to happen. So there are options, but they're limited. And I think Boston might be using that as a bit to their advantage. Uh, but they got to kind of get this going pretty quickly. Um, as I said, it, it's the deal's there. It's just a matter of them freeing up the money before Gavrikov can officially become a Bruin if they can pull it off. Seems like LA is close. I mean, they're they're like one trade away, right, from really breaking through in this Pacific Division race or this Western Conference race. If you're looking at the grand scheme of things, who do you want to see them go get? What's the chatter going on in Kingsland right now for the LA Kings? Well, I think Chicklin is is the natural, right, because he would play left side. He's he's an offensive player. He has size. It's a small defense. Other than Alexander Edler, they've got no size on the blue line. So that's a natural. But Like, I get it. Like, Bill Armstrong is holding the line for a big ask. And Rob Blake is pushing back on it. I I don't blame him, to be honest with you, because even with him, are they truly a championship team with him? They could win the division. Are they a top four team with the guy? No. They would chicken? No. Uh, Gavrikov? 
if on this team, like if Gavrikov puts you over, then yeah, like Boston, they're doing the right thing. If they want to pay a first and a third, because this is it for them. Like Pasta, you better sign him. He's unrestricted. Bergeron's 37, Krejci's 36. That's a team that has to go for it. Broadway has the luxury of saying, you know what? It's too expensive, too rich. We have a better way to use that first-round pick than use it for a rental on a guy like Gavrikov. Because this is not the 2014 team where one extra ad would put them over. Do they need a left defenseman? Yeah. Are those guys an improvement? Yeah. I'd rather go see him wait in the in the offseason. Maybe the price on Chicken comes down because now it's only two playoff runs as opposed to three. Or go to Philadelphia and get Provorov. So there are other options. So while you could think, and I've said this a lot, the team that takes the one big swing in the West can get out of the West. There's no question. Like all of a sudden, Dallas is the one seed. They don't look so great. Vegas, eh, I don't know about that. I mean, Brassois and Aiden Hill, if they don't trade for Cam Talbot, the, the Kings have a path to get deep, but it's the question of price. So while I'm the, the one prominent media in L.A. saying, be aggressive, make the big trade, make the big swing, yeah, it's worked. Remember, he signed uh, Deneau. He traded for Arvidsson two seasons ago. Rob traded for Fiala. That's been a huge hit, except for last night when he went home and couldn't score. Uh, one more swing. They they have taken. So it's like Pat, Rob's been too patient. Well, he's made some big swings and won on them. Like the one big swing in this trade deadline, would that make them more dangerous? It would. But he's being careful with his assets, and I get it. Like, if it doesn't work, let's say they lose in the first round and they don't play good defensively, then you got to make that move. But I get the patience here. And maybe just wait it out till March 3rd. Maybe the prices drop, as Dave says. Right now, it seems like to be a, a seller's market. Maybe that changes as we get very close to the deadline. So I'd like to see one more move because they can clearly go deep. They can clearly win two rounds. They're as good as any of these teams. You watch them play. You know, except for a really healthy Colorado's out, which I don't think that ever happens, and now McCarr's out. Like, this team could do some damage, but, again, they're looking at the big picture. I think what they're looking to see is, like, next season, like, assuming they get back, so they've gone back-to-back in the playoffs, the next season maybe there's one more big ad. So while there's opportunity, and Dave said it, and we've reported that they've been doing a lot of talking, I- I'm not sold that they're going to make this move for lefty right now before March 3rd. But that's why Chikrin would make sense, right? Because he's got the term. It's not a pure rental. So there are options for LA. It's just a matter of if they're willing to take that big swing this year because you make a good point. They could be patient. In fact, they probably should be patient. But uh, we'll see with the LA Kings. Uh, More trade-related reasons talk. This with Luke Shen. He did not play yesterday for the Vancouver Canucks as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, Seemingly, Dave, he's going to be held out until he's moved, just like with Gavrikov and with Chikrin. So what are you hearing on the Luke Shen front? Who's interested? What's the price looking like? Well, they're asking for a third-round pick um, for for Luke Shen. So we'll see if anybody bites on that one um, to give him up for effectively a number seven on a contending team. So we're just kind of in waiting mode. We, we know the teams that have poked around, <clears throat> you know, Calgary has most prominently been in the mix, but after their last loss and with everything going on there, I don't know if, and it doesn't sound like they're at the forefront of this. Um, that was one of the first calls I made were to two people connected to the flames to say, Hey, are is, you pulling this off? And they're like, no, we didn't know he was sitting. So we'll, we'll see kind of what's happening there. It doesn't sound like Calgary, although they could swoop in. Um, but typically when these kind of things happen, there's either a deal pretty much there or you get a, two teams that are kind of bidding against each other and going from there. Like Gavrikov, we know it was Boston. And uh, L.A. at the time we knew it was or, – or Chikrin, rather, at the time we knew it was L.A. and there was another team poking around. And you're just trying to get to that finish line. And then Bill Armstrong decided to <clears throat> pull a bit of an audible 
and and here we are. Um, but with with Shen, it sounds like there are a couple teams kind of just battling to see if they could pull something off. Uh, Tampa was in on him a week or so ago. I was told they pulled out. Um, so we're just kind of in waiting mode. And the other thing to consider here, which is good on the, the Canucks, his wife's due date, she's pregnant, is March 3rd, the trade deadline. So they're also <laughs> trying to get him home to kind of be there, be with his wife, be with the family if she does pop early uh, before a trade kind of goes down. But it's certainly – this one sounds like it's right there. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of finalizing things. And, and honestly, depending who you talk to and depending what minute of the day, it could be a Winnipeg, it could be a Toronto, it could even be Boston, which won't factor uh, – won't, won't affect the Gavrikov thing. Um, but it's just kind of waiting mode right now because they're keeping this one pretty close to the vest. So you're saying that they see Shen as a, as a seven, not as a guy who's going to be playing every single night. That's Most what it looks like. I mean, we he, he may slot into a third pair down the stretch, but this is a security blanket kind of addition. To, to, sure depending on the matchups, you bring him in on a third pair or you, you kind of sit him as a seven and, and just have him kind of wait things out. He's done it before. He's a great guy in the room. He's got a cup ring. Um, this, is a, this is a caliber of player, the quality piece that you add – to a team just to help them push them over the edge. DB, what do you think about the Nashville Predators? This is a team that's been stuck in the middle for the longest time. And you actually touched on them a few episodes ago, but now Joe Hansen's out this team. They're, you know, kind of win one, lose one. What do they do in your mind? Do they buy, do they sell? Obviously they can't stand Pat. It's been a, a tough little trip here for Nashville. Things are just very mediocre is the best way to put it. Well, I try not to think about the Nashville Predators. I just I kid. <laughs> uh, they should sell. They're not. They're not a championship team. They're not close. They they had a they had a great playoff run last season. Not in the playoffs, but to the playoffs, because the, uh, Duchene and Johansson had huge years. And guess what? They've regressed. And so what happened? So now they're out of it. Uh, Saros has been okay. He hasn't been great. Uh, a guy like Matthias Ekholm, I think he made calls on that guy. Like you say, you know, he, he's not. Paul's not going to buy. He's, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. Like the, the the activity he did last season when he kept Duchesne and Dohans didn't trade him, Resan Forsberg. You're right. I don't know how they get out of it, Zach, to be honest with you. Like to get out of it, you I, you know the deal in the NHL. You got to be really bad or really good. And when you're stuck in the middle like Nashville is, and remember, they went to the Cup Final in 2017, haven't backed it up since. Um, they've, in some seasons, they've underachieved, and some they've overachieved. They're a middle of the pack thing. And the worst thing to be is a middle of the pack player. You'd have to move out some players with significant salary to rebuild this. And I don't know how you do it. I think he's stuck here with respect to this roster with some not so movable pieces. The one would be Ekholm. And you think you will get what, Dave, two or three assets for a guy like Ekholm right now. Yeah, but the, the issue with him at this stage, and everybody's going to bring it up, even though these guys are, for what they do, kind of worth it and we're worth the contracts, is, is $6 million cap hit or, or just over. So teams are going to use that against them. That's the same thing with like Eric Carlson. Wow, it's such a high price for Eric Carlson making 11.5. Well, if you want a defenseman that's on pace for 100 points, that's the freaking <laughs> price tag. So everybody bitches and complains about the money, and this guy's making this, and how do you make the money work? Well, they earn those contracts. So if you want that player, you got to kind of try to make it work. Like Kevin Hayes in Philly. There's a lot of interest in Kevin Hayes, but not at seven and a quarter. A million, right, exactly. So, it, you know, is, is Philly going to eat $2 million of that? And now all of a sudden he's a five and a quarter player. He's a hell of a lot more attractive, but now you got to pay for that. So, I mean, all of those things, Adam Henrique in, in Anaheim, exact same situation, five point something or other million teams would love to have him, but they want him at 3 million. 
Well, that's great. Yeah. You know, I, I'd love to drive a Ferrari. I don't, but you know, whatever you got, you got to kind of figure out how you're going to get to that, get to those points. Um, and that's, that's the sticking point now with, with Nashville, with respect to Ekholm, you know, Nito Niederreiter's name's floating around out there, but he's got another year yeah. left on his contract of 4 million. Is that an option for some teams? Would they look him at, at, uh, at Granlin, um, at the center position who has two more years left on his contract at five point, whatever it is. Yeah, they're going to have to get creative and, and maybe they use a third party team in Anaheim or Vancouver or, or, or even Montreal to a certain extent, although I don't think they want to do term too much. Um, you're going to have to get creative over these nine days to pull something off, David Poyle, because it's it's tough sledding ahead. Yeah. Yeah, Mercy's not getting any younger either. They've got these guys locked in, DB, in massive contracts, like you said. Yeah, so it, it, it's – it's like there have to be some hard decisions made on what direction you want to go in in the offseason. You're not going to do no. it by March 3rd, right? But like, what happens with this team? This is not a young team. This is not an overly abundant, talented team that has always had trouble scoring goals. Like, he's stuck here. It, it's I think it's – I think there's some major surgery needed in Nashville, to be honest with you, and, and it's – it's not easy surgery either, but given the, the situation with, with the term and price on some of these players. You know, I'll throw out another player as well that we talked about. We, we actually reported first last trade deadline, nothing happened. Um, I mentioned Adam Henrique in Anaheim. They got a goalie there in John Gibson with, I think, four more years left on his contract at $6.4 million. He's got a limited no trade clause. But don't be surprised if you start hearing his name a little bit more here um, over this next week or so. But that's going to be another situation where you're going to have to get creative. And what team is looking to augment their goaltending in such a significant way? Pittsburgh, maybe, but they don't have cap space. You're going to have to take back probably Jari or you're going to have to take back as part of a deal, Kapanen as well. And that's just to make the money work. So how do you offset the fact that you're getting a guy – that according to ESPN is still a top 10 goalie in the National Hockey League based on their survey with players. So it's, well, it's, if he keeps making 51 saves every night because the team has no defense. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you talk about trade related. I'd pull that guy out because every time he plays, he has to make 65 saves in a game because Anon's terrible defensively. SRR, shot related reasons. And let's be real, Dave makes a great point. Who's trading for a $6 million goaltender these days? It, it just doesn't happen because I could give you two examples in Vancouver and LA where a five million dollar goalie once won three games for Vancouver, I think, and the other guys in the minor leagues. Nobody's trading for a six million dollar guy, and and he's been solid. You can't tell. You, you see, he's thinking with Gibson. You really need your scouts working on this because you can't tell the team's so bad defensive. Is he really that good, or is it the shot volume, or is he is he not good? So. I just don't see – I don't see guys trading for six – it's the same situation as the other players that we mentioned. I don't see a $6 million goalie just going on the market without any retention or bad contracts coming back. I'm just not sure about that these days and right now. It It's going to take – for a guy like Gibson, for example, to move, it's going to take creativity. Right. NHL GMs, for the most part, with all due respect, guys, and you know it, you're a little reluctant to be overly creative. So, well, and here's the thing, Dave. Like, you want to be creative for Ryan O'Reilly. Do you want to be creative for John Gibson? Is this your best option? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Right. And 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 that kind of thing that you mentioned, like with Pittsburgh, let's say, for, you know, and we're just spitballing here. 
Is that the Ducks? Does that make the Ducks better? Gets them out from under the contract. Does it make it any better? I don't think so. So I, well, and, I, it's yeah. And and that's what I and that's what I mean. Like you're getting and this is just we're just spitballing here, but Jari's a yeah. UFA and you gotta make the money right. work. So you gotta move two pieces. So they've been trying to move Kapan in to free up the money. So that's okay, great. Now you've made the money yeah. situation work. Okay, well, what are you giving me for the flyer now? Like like legit, like a legit asset. Not right. Just these pops, exactly. Give me so, the engine, not just the, the bumpers and the, the tires. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to free up because Kapanen has some, I think, one more year on his deal. So thanks for freeing up money next season. But now I, I, I don't have a goalie. And right. so that, I mean, there's all these different elements that come into play. And maybe guys just get too too many headaches about this and don't pull the trigger because they're just like, the hell with this. This is too much. But um, it's the silly season. So you're going to hear these kinds of things happening. But maybe it, it could work in the offseason just because, you, again, yeah. Jeremy's not under contract for next year. I've always been under the belief that the impression that Gibson is, you know, maybe a top 10, 15 talent. It's just a matter, DB, like you said, of them not protecting him at all. But when you actually watch him, the guy's a stud. So I think he's from Pittsburgh too. Maybe they can make that work. But the goalie market is something that, you know, that's a whole other thing because there's so many complications when it comes to who you trade for. We brought up James Reimer a couple months ago. DB says he's horrible, which again, he's been horrible. So which which goalies can realistically go and help teams out? There aren't that many. And the cap is a completely different thing. So Again, DB, we were talking about the LA Kings. Of course, they're not going to be going for a goalie now, you wouldn't think. Mm. It's not their priority. They re-signed Phoenix Copley. They've got money tied up in a couple of other guys. So I'm just trying to think right now, are there any goalies that you guys see that that may realistically go and help teams out? Well, Jonas Corposalo is out there in Columbus. I mean, is he a victim of playing for the Columbus Blue Jackets or – is he is he off? I mean, this was a guy that teams were looking at two, three seasons ago mm-hmm. as a potential number one. Number one. So how, how's that shifted over the last couple of seasons? So, I mean, that's certainly a factor. Um, and he's got a low cap hit as well. So for a team looking to kind of just stabilize that goaltending position, sure, you got him. If you're looking for a number three, well, Dallas is willing to trade Anton Hudobin because they need to free up cap space a little bit to give him more flexibility. <clears throat> Patrick Kane. Um, but we'll see kind of – we'll see what happens – you know, there from from the goalie side of things. Talbot's playing again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's available. Vegas is looking around and poking there. Um, so, I mean, that's that's another option. But in terms of guys that are on expiring deals, Corpus Allo, Talbot, Reimer, I, I, I guess that's it. Um, there's somebody else off the top of my head that I, I – Varlamov? Well, uh, yeah, but you got to think. I mean, Lou doesn't like to sell off. I mean, he's basically admitting that the season's done. So I, I would be a little bit surprised if if the Islanders go in that direction. Although they should, they should move out Varlamov. They should move out Scott Mayfield. Um, they're pending UFAs. They probably get a pretty good return for Mayfield because he's got a low cap hit. But I mean, other than that, there's somebody else who's totally just slipped my mind that I can't figure it out, and it will bother me because as soon as this uh, show is done, it'll probably pop in my head. Um, and I'm trying to believe. But any of those so players that you, but any of those goalies that you mentioned, they're not putting anybody over. No, that's like you're not making a move for goalie and winning a championship. Like you're not. Right. right? So there's I no mean, Patrick Watt trade that's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the good news is if you need a goalie, I mentioned yesterday on the radio, the, the goaltending carousel is always spinning. Like so, if you're not happy with your goaltending once the season ends, you can probably go get another one. 
It's that yeah. it's that type of situation with respect to goaltending. So like right in the moment, these guys that we mentioned, yeah, that they might be good caddies for for somebody else and maybe share the net at best. Right. It's not going to put you over. So I, I don't see the rush sack to, for goaltending here over the next you know what nine days. Yeah, the goaltending carousel is always spinning, and we'll see if teams actually end up making moves. The Islanders are a whole other conversation that we could do a whole episode on because, man, it's yeah. just like, where where are they? they? They never seem to quite figure it out themselves. So uh, we can talk about the Islanders next week, of course, as we do lead up to trade deadline day on March the 3rd. Um, before that, let's talk about some things other than trades, things actually happening on the ice right now. The Norris race has been a pretty good one, Dave. Yeah. You touched on Eric Carlson earlier in the in the episode. Minus 200 right now to win the Norris. Uh, pretty good competition behind him, though. So what are you seeing in, in respect to the Norris race, and who would you slap money on right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, the way that Eric Carlson's been playing, uh, I, I got to think he's he's going to be right up there with, without question. I mean, dude's on pace for 100-plus points. So, I mean, that's – that's effective. Is he going to slide off a little bit like Roman Yossi kind of did when uh, last season when he was, when he was pushing for hundred then dropped to 90 and then a little bit less, but I mean, we'll obviously, we'll obviously see. And then we got to figure out what the trade situation is going to be. I don't think he's getting moved. Um, Edmonton as of now is out of that mix. So we'll see kind of what happens with Carl, but um, I mean, he's right up there. The other two guys that I'm looking at, I mean, if, if it wasn't for this guy having such a killer season, It'd probably be a Rasmus Dahlin, Josh mm-hmm. Morrissey race here yep. for for the Norris on how well these guys have played this season. And Morrissey kind of doing it on both ends. I know he's putting up a ton of points, 60-plus right now or, or, or close to it. Um, and, and I think Dahlin's at 60-something as well. Uh, but Morrissey's been holding the fort down as well from a two-way side of things. So, I mean, I, I put those guys in my top three without question. See, I think the difference between Yossi last year and Carson this year – Yossi was in a race for the playoffs. And so the team had to play more responsibly defensively. So maybe you don't like the last 20 games of the season, you're you're really focusing on your end and not going up the ice and scoring points. That's not the case in San Jose. If he stays in San Jose, and I assume he does because that's a big number and you're not moving him. And I don't get like the talk about Edmonton because that's not really the type of defenseman they need. Like he's going to continue to play Zach and play the same way. He's going to get to 100 short of an injury. Right. And that's here's the thing. The best defenseman in the in the league is Cal McCarr, without question. But he's hurt. He's hurt again. He's not going to win the Norris. His points aren't there. He hasn't played enough games. And uh, Marcy and Darlene will be in Nashville for the awards and they'll clap when Eric Carlson gets the Norris. Because <laughs> that's the way it's going to lay up. It's as simple as that. I, I don't I, Dave and I are voters. We're not supposed to close up like right now. If I, if I was casting my ballot today, I'm not. It's it's. Eric Carlson, and I don't see any unless he got hurt. And I know that some well, he did get traded at similar. To, he'll have twenty games left at the trade deadline. Like no matter what team he plays for, he's going to go to a better team if he did. He, he's going to get those points to get to hundred. It's his to lose, and I just don't see him losing it. So minus two hundred, it's probably fair value for a guy who we're all assumed of here that he's going to win the Nordstrom. I mean, being on pace for hundred plus points on a lottery team as a defenseman. That should deserve – he deserves a, an award of his own for that, right? I mean, it's been crazy what he's been able to do. 
I would always love to see an award for the best defensive defenseman because now we have these metrics and these analytics, Dave, where we're like actually measuring how guys defend in terms of numbers. And, I, you know, we talk about the offensive numbers. That's great. But I'm such a hockey nerd that I love the defensive metrics. And, you know, a guy like an Adam Pellick or a Jacob Slavin, if, if they were in the mix for those kinds of awards, I don't know. Maybe it's a stupid idea, but that's, that's what I've always liked. Well, they got, you know, you have the Selkie and whatnot in up front, which I guess goes for everybody. But, I mean, it's been so zeroed in on forwards for the most part, other than Slavin kind of entering the mix. But um, I wouldn't be against it. And that's no, why Selkie's I was Selkie's for the best forward. Selkie's for the best forward. Oh, so what the heck was I thinking about? I have no the, idea. Uh, no. Which one was Slave? Was it Bing? Might have been Bing. Yeah, Bing. There we go. Okay, well, whatever. Um, okay. So... I, again, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against it from the defensive side. That's why I was bringing up Morrissey's ability to kind of hold the fort down in his own zone. Like you're you're putting up points, I, and he's almost at sixty. I just checked, um, but you're also really stabilizing things in your in your back end. So from a defenseman perspective, he might be having the best kind of season. Which is, I mean, DB brought up Makar. Yeah, I mean he's doing it at both ends. So I would put him up there, no question. And and that's why Victor Hedman gets some appreciation every freaking year because he's putting up points, but he's also a rock in his own zone. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, those are, those are the kinds of players that I kind of look at a little bit more, but if Carlson hits a hundred points as a defenseman, it's over, ladies and gentlemen. There's, there's, there's enough awards. There's enough awards. Yeah. The PA, the PA wants to make that type of award. That's great. There's enough awards. People criticize us enough for the voting, so just I don't want to get criticized for another vote I might cast that is wrong according to people. So you get criticized about everything. That's true. Everything. everything. Someone's gonna chirp me for wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you wearing a light blue sweater? Exactly. Yeah. What's going on here? You guys are wearing too much blue. Leaf fans, homers. Homers, yes, of course. Yeah, in L.A. I want to see DB rock that yellow and purple ret- reverse retro L.A. King jersey. I think that would just look spectacular. Oh, no, no, I, get, I would get murdered because then I would be a true Kings fan, right, if I did. I, oh. I love the fashion. I, I love the, I love right. the fashion. But, and even if I did, I, I couldn't wear it out. I could only wear it around the house. We knew you were a fan. Like, you sit in the press box and cheer when Kepe scores. Really? Has- I banged on Kepe. I banged on Kepe for four years. He probably he doesn't really. I'm not his yeah. probably most favorite uh, media member, but uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why he avoids. Hey, you're wearing a devil's hat over games. there. This guy. The the president of the team gives you a devil's hat, so you wear it for three years. That's great. <laughs> right. Show and support. Exactly. <laughs> it's a flex though i mean that's that's pretty cool so <laughs> now my my point was just you know if we're talking about the best defenseman and we can quantify yeah. defensive metrics we should probably also take defense into consideration because it's it's great that these guys are putting up 100 points i don't care about plus minus but if these guys are constantly abandoning their defensive responsibilities i don't think they're the best defenseman in the league that year that's just me though so that's that's always been the way i've thought about it well he but but let's be real here zach he, um, San Jose's goal differential is minus 39 and he, and Carlson's minus one. So it's not like he's just out there with, as a cookie monster, just stunning points and not playing defense. He's actually, you know, the goal differential, when you look at that, when he's playing, he's playing, what, 25, 26 minutes a night? Like, that's, that, that's good enough for me. 
Like if he had all those points, it was a minus 40, then okay, well, what's he doing? But like when 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 Ovechkin Good had what, what, 40 points and have a minus 20, he's still a factor. So I just think, like, is he the most complete defenseman? No, but when he's out there, he's not – I watched him play. He's not that bad defensively. He's not just no. – you know, he's not cherry picking and stuff like that. He's he's been he's been good enough to say, okay, this is if he gets there because there's such a gap between himself and the rest of the defensemen on on, on points. Yes, it, it it now leans towards that in this type of game, but I certainly think he's deserving given his season, given the state of the team right now. Yeah, I'm I'm not saying Carlson isn't. I'm just I'm speaking generally. I'm saying when we're voting on the Norris, this should be taken into consideration. But you're right, Carlson has been good defensively. I've watched him a lot. So, uh, yeah, I would totally agree with that. And I think, again, the plus plus minus isn't the best stat, DB, but I think that is telling given the, the situation. And, and to your point, I put Jacob Slavin on my Norris ballot mm-hmm. like, yeah. more than once like it, it, because you have to respect what he does for that team. And the team, Stahl doesn't even lend himself. If he, if he wanted to be an offensive defenseman, like they had one, and Dougie Hamilton, like, oh, I wouldn't need a player like that. So they got back, back burns. So there's Stahl. He's never going to get big points, but you have to recognize that he's among – the most well-rounded defenseman in the league. And there is currency for playing defense still in this league, even though you know, there's more scoring in this league. So I have no problem with him. It's just that say, okay, does he do enough offensively to be a Norris winner? Maybe, possibly. Yeah. It depends on what happens. If there was no Eric Carlson, yeah, maybe, maybe. But uh, I certainly think you want to recognize that type of play for that individual. He's a different type of player, but he's still, I, I think, among the top five, top ten in the league, depending on the season. That's why I would like a separate award, but too many awards for DB to. <laughs> <laughs> do they still do the ballots with a with a piece of pen and paper, or is it like no, is it online no, now? It's, it's electric. Now. It's electronic now. Yeah, we're digital now. <laughs> it's good to know. Good to know the NHL the is kind of creeping up at the times. It seems like they're always last to kind of get there. So uh, good to see that the <laughs> NHL is uh, is certainly there. All right, guys. Uh, so trade deadline coming up March third. Super excited for that. We'll have a couple of episodes before then. So uh, we will certainly chat about all the trade chatter going on there. See if more guys sit for trade-related reasons. Maybe John Gibson will sit for his shot-related reasons. Maybe the Anaheim Ducks fans will have shot-related reasons for alcohol. It's a joke. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, guys, so that's episode five of the Edgework podcast. Check out our best bets five days a week, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. We'll be live to bring you those. And you can check out all the stuff on the fourth period uh, that Dave and Dennis bring along with other contributors. So check that stuff out ahead of the trade deadline on March 3rd. Thanks for listening.